Thank you, band. Is it cold in here? Do we need a moment to put on coats if you need, need to grab a coat or a toque or something? It's cold. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's the first Sunday of Advent, which, which marks a new year in the church calendar. And the, uh, the church calendar orders time, you may know, orders time in a, in a different way, orders time according to the life of Christ. So every year, we retell the story for thousands of years about God's saving action in Jesus. And we retell the story again. We get another pass. We, we hope maybe this time around, uh, we might be drawn in a bit further. Perhaps our skepticism might soften. Another time through, we might notice more, see more, grow more fascinated. So whether this is your first Advent or your 50th Advent, Happy New Year. Out of all the Christmas greetings that you're going to hear this month, I think people still do those, uh, I bet you're not going to hear this one. Merry season of spaciousness. Or, hey, everybody, let's do less. I've yet to see those on cards, and I guarantee they're not coming in 2019. These are not the messages that we absorb at this time of year. The messages of buy this, be happy, hurry up, sing louder, pray more, we're late, get involved, baked better, you're behind, call your mother, dress up, eggnog, string the lights, get them presents, just believe, Merry Christmas. That's as close as I'll ever get to rapping. Okay? <laughs> That's the message, and you feel the energy, and yet the message of, of the ancient church calendar in Advent is stuff like slow down, be patient, keep watch, be ready, make room, eggnog's fine. You got to make room for some of that as well. So whether, whether we realize it or not, whether we're conscious of it, both our secular calendars and the ancient church calendar, this season, this particular month, the whole MO is about keeping time. It's about keeping time, which brings me to our sponsor for this sermon. I've never had a sermon sponsored, but um, these are two fantastic albums called Keeping Time, uh, Nelson Boschman Trio, uh, volumes one and two. Found out there, you can get them on Spotify and iTunes, but I just wanted you to also know that there still is a MySpace page available <laughs> if, um, if that's what you need. Fantastic albums, commend them to you. We're keeping time. What is time? Time simply the measurement of motion through space. So a day, the revolution of the earth, a month, the revolution of the moon around the earth, a year, the revolution of the earth around the sun. But time, as such, is without meaning. It's just a spinning planet with an orbiting moon and an orbiting star repeating the process after and after year after year after year. So to give time meaning, we need a story. Without time, without a story, time is pointless. So for 2,000 years then, the church has had the wisdom and the creativity to keep time according to Jesus. This is time made sacred. Thus, the church calendar. And if you've been around, you know we, we try and keep time in this way. But how you tell t time determines who you are 
and what story you're in. And so the season of Advent, you may know Advent just means arrival or appearing. It's the time where we remember again how God entered the world through Jesus. His first Advent, but also the second Advent where Jesus promises a triumphal return. So these twin poles then remind us that the story is not static, that this story is going somewhere that was designed with an end, and that God is active. God is the main character in this story, always acting and moving and pushing the story forward. And so then we live, as Karl Barth says, we live between the times. We live between these two poles. So I was thinking about keeping time this week, and in some ways, it's easy to keep time, certain kinds of time, and there's other kinds of time that are really hard. How do you keep time? I mean, the obvious ways, you got your phone, Fitbit, Apple Watch if you're fancy, wristwatch if you're still old school, good for you, timers, stopwatches. We tell time based on light, the, the presence of it and the absence of it. We tell time due to schedules and blocking and iCal. If yours is a home with children in it, you may tell time. A segment of time could be two Paw Patrol episodes. That's that's a measurement of time. Or you might say like a two-beer conversation. Those are different people for those measurements, okay? (laughs) Paw Patrol's for one. Um, We we may may measure in pre and post, a pre and post relationship. I measure time in my life before I met him. And then after, when we broke up, I I order time uh, pre and post an event. So the thing, though, with time is that we have a lot of how-to knowledge, but very little when-to knowledge. Lots of how-to books out there about getting stuff done, making the most use of your time. Very little about when-to. Keeping time is hard. I want to share with you a poem here by Naomi Shiab Nye. This is called Missing the Boat. It's not so much that the boat passed and you failed to notice it. It's more like the boat stopping directly outside your bedroom window. The captain blowing the signal horn. The band playing a rousing march. The boat shouted, waving bright flags, its silver hull blinding in the sunlight. But you had this idea you were going by train. You kept checking the timetable, digging for tracks, and the boat got tired of you. So tired, it pulled up the anchor and raised the ramp. The boat bobbed in the distance, shrinking like a toy, at which point you probably realized you'd always loved the sea. This is such a heartbreaking poem. It's about the coming and going of opportunity. It's about the opening and closing of time. It calls for an alertness and awakeness, which is what our scripture texts for this first Sunday of Advent do, calling for the same things. They're about keeping time. These are texts, then, that the church has returned to over and over and over again because we need reminders, especially at this time of year, that you can be punctual but out of sync. 
You can be head down doing the things, yet unaware and unready. You can play it safe. You can be diligent and busy, yet stuck in the wrong season. You can be chasing down so many things, yet the longing of your life is pointing for Christ. So we're reminded again of how to keep time, to be alert and to be awake. Romans 13, then, is the text, uh, the epistle signed, assigned to this Sunday. And verse 11 starts this way. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So Paul's saying, don't sleep through this. God is at work in the world, working salvation, yours and other people's. God's at work. Now's the time to be awake. And so I love that on the first Sunday of Advent, this is one of the texts assigned to us because this text rings like a pre-dawn alarm clock. It's going off while it's still dark, saying, yeah, yeah, it's dark now, but get ready. Be prepared. Wake up. Which makes me think of this phrase that's just been going round and round my head that I absolutely adore by Annie Lamott, where she says, hope begins in the dark. Which means Advent begins in the dark. And any new beginning starts in the dark. Every single creative project you are working on, whether that's figuring out how to parent a two-year-old, okay? Right, Scott? Two-year-old twins, especially. Um, that's a major creative project. So whether it's a, that kind of creativity or whether you're stuck at work or whether you're trying to bring something out of your journals and, and bring it into the world, every, every kind of creative project starts in the dark. Or when you don't know what the next step to take is, it ain't weird because you're just starting where all starts start in the dark. And this particular Advent, December 1, if you find yourself in the dark for whatever reason, there's some good news here because this is where hope also starts, in the dark. If you cannot see a new beginning, God is working. Stay awake. It's coming. Hope starts in the dark. And then we had this wild text. I'm not sure if you heard it. Matthew 24. Any eyebrows go up with that one? So this is a wild text where um, it's important to know that this is right in uh, the midst of Jesus doing a bunch of parables and sayings. And Jesus is talking about a day of judgment. And he's warning that this day will take the world by surprise. And, and he's referencing something that his listeners would have known. Remember Noah? Remember that story? In Noah's time, people were going about their everyday business, eating and drinking and, and getting married. They had no awareness of what God was about to do. And Jesus uses another metaphor, you know, uh, like a, a householder um, who, who fails to anticipate the hour, who, doesn't, who isn't awake enough to see that a thief's about to break in. So what Jesus is taking issue with here is not knowing what time it is. Not being awake, not being alert. That's why he says, watch, watch, look. 
This is verse 42. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Keep watch. Wait. Uh, let's go to the next slide here. So we've reminded ourselves again in this season of Advent. We're in between the two poles of the first coming of Christ and the second coming of the Christ. We're in between the times. And these two texts we just looked at are, are summoning and calling for awareness, alertness, to keep watch in the in-betweenness where we're most likely to want to fall asleep. Be ready. Keep watch here. Bernard of Clairvaux spoke of the three comings of Christ, which is kind of interesting. He said that in the first coming of Christ, Christ came in the incarnation. The second coming is his triumphal return. But he said there's actually there's middle comings. There's many arrivals by the Spirit. The Spirit brings a multitude of arrivals, encounters, invitation, prompts, beckonings, summons, experiences of God being with you even though you can't explain how or why. And if you're a follower of Jesus, this is your inheritance and an interactive friendship with God. So there's the first coming. We weren't around for that, so we're kind of off the hook. There's no chance we could have been a awake and aware of that the second one yeah got to stay awake and then but the third one I mean that's really where the work is to do to be alert and to be awake in the everyday and so in our readings for this Sunday just to summarize we're reminded that the start of our story starts in the dark and it starts not with us taking action but it starts with us waiting and watching for God's action which is the worst thing, the hardest thing, especially for children of high-tech, high-speed, instantaneous, mega-bandwidth. I have it right now. We're not good at waiting because waiting feels pretty much like doing nothing. But it's in waiting where our souls grow quiet. It's in the dark where our eyes get attuned. And it's in the stillness where we cultivate the capacity for awareness. It's in waiting where we begin to discern the new thing God is doing. Too often we think God's going to do the new thing loud and obvious and big, when in fact God almost is never found in big and loud. God, you can hear God moving as well as you can hear seed falling to the ground. So in the waiting, we begin to discern what God is doing. I like how Henry Nouwen says this. I keep expecting loud and impressive events to convince me and others of God's saving powers. Our temptation is to be distracted by them. When I have no eyes for the small signs of God's presence, I will always remain tempted to despair. So in Advent, we're waiting for God to act. But I would suggest we're also... <laughs> Not so much just waiting for God to act as we are waiting to become ready enough to discern God's actions. God's always acting. God's always loving and mending and creating. And have you had the experience where you have that breakthrough big idea in the shower? 
You know this? There's research about this where we have ideas when we're in marginal spaces, when we're walking or soaping or um, we're, not, we're not trying to make the thing happen and then it happens. Yeah, that's how God works too. <laughs> in the margin, when we're not consumed by anger and hurry and consumption, then, then there's a little more space to start paying attention. So, here is an Advent quiz. Only one question on the quiz. Okay, let's take it all together. In the first Advent, where God broke into the history, or God broke into history in the ark, in the fail. No, <laughs> let's try that again. In the first Advent, where God broke into into history in the incarnation of Jesus, who discerned it? Who was watching? Who was ready? Was it A, the Pharisees? Was it B, scribes and priests? C, Bill Nye? <laughs> D, pagan stargazers and peasant shepherds? It was D. These were the ones who discerned what God was doing. And I want to submit that gazing at stars and keeping watch by night are profound metaphors for the contemplative life. To most people, it would appear that Magi and the shepherds were actually doing nothing. Not much significance happening out there on the edge of the empire in these long nighttime vigils, but it was these stargazers and these shepherds who have learned how to wait in silence who have learned how to let something happen to them, who know how to dwell in the dark, they're the ones who found their way to Bethlehem. They were the ones who discovered the Christ in the out-of-the-way place. So here's what I'm trying to say. Waiting for God to act only seems like waiting for God to act because God is always acting. God is always loving the world. God is always giving birth to something. Waiting for God to act is actually waiting for my soul to become quiet enough and still enough to discern what God's doing in the obscure and forgotten corners of my life, far away wherever you think the action is. This is why we need Advent. This is why we need a wake-up call. Again, every year, don't sleep through your life. God is about to act in your life and in our world, but if you want to discern the actions of God, you've got to wait. You've got to learn how to gaze at the stars. Learn to keep vigil in the fields. Learn to sit with Jesus, to be quiet, and then we begin to see what God's doing. So here are a few practices, and I'm going to close here in a minute, but here are a few practices for keeping time. Try making space by every week in Advent, quit something. Just try it. What's going to happen? Four weeks, quit something every week. So this week, quit Zumba. Is that what it's called? Zumba? Is, or is that the, is that the um, vacuum? What's that one? Yeah, don't quit the Roomba. Yeah. Zoom, so quit something. It'll be fine. You'll be okay if you don't Zumba for four weeks. Quit something. Make more room. Or just walk to work. Walk to work. One day a week, get nothing done. No podcasts. 
no, none of this. That's a way just paying attention. Just paying attention. And if you're a praying person, ask for the grace to be open to pay attention and be awake for how Christ might arrive in this day. Uh, You could read the newspaper and ask Jesus, where are you working in the world? Is there any way you want me to join you? And then just listen. Historically, Advent was a season for fasting. And so you could make space by just going without something. Maybe it's something you're leaning on a little too much. Go without it. And the whole point of fasting is so that you feel a hunger and a longing in your body that reminds you that what you most hunger for is Christ. You could just say, yeah, I thought fasting was kind of old school for me, but I'm, I'm going to try that practice again. Maybe you want to wake up 20 minutes early. Start your day in the dark. Light a candle. Uh, practice waiting. Realize you don't know how to do it. But trust that God sees you and is just fine with your feebling attempts. Maybe you want to read something. Here's, here's a, um, an Advent devotional by Dante Stewart. Free, downloadable ebook online. Commend that to you. One other one. Maybe you, you want to make room for a stranger by just the simply taking someone out from work that you don't really know or don't even really like for coffee. And you just come with questions. You offer curiosity. Or maybe we could all be a little more like Nathan Grauman and learn how to host dinner parties where we invite people from different circles of our lives and just see what happens when they get into the room. Making space. The main thing here is an experiment in how you keep time and it needs to show up for me not just in my head and best intentions. It needs to show up on my calendar. <laughs> so your calendar creates your culture. So if you don't like the culture of your heart or the culture of your home or your workplace, try a change in your calendar. Okay? So that's just an offering and a dare and experiment. Friends, the good news here on the first Sunday of Advent is that there's an alarm bell that's gone off for us. And we're reminded again that this is our story. This is what gives our time, our brief time, meaning Christ has come. Christ will come again. And I think Bernard is right. Christ keeps coming. And he will this week. So if you missed him last Advent, it's okay. He's here. You got another shot at preparing him room. And if you missed him yesterday, it's okay. He's here with his presence and his power and his hope available. It doesn't get better than this. So this Advent, may we prepare. May we discern what God is doing. May you discern what he's doing in your life. You have new eyes to see. May we all learn how to wait and watch and keep time. And may each of us find that hope begins in the dark. Amen.